Hello, and welcome to this week's podcast presented by Freedom Life Church. We hope you find today's message uplifting and encouraging as we dive into God's Word together. If you need any information about our church or this message, please go to wearefreedomlife.com. Now let's get right into it. I want to bring a message entitled, The King Has Your Back. The King Has Your Back. And if you would turn with me to Psalm 91, we're going to bring the house lights up just a hair for you guys. For those of you that have paper Bibles and don't have it lit up, we're going to help you out. You're welcome and you're welcome. For those of you that don't have, you have light up Bibles and stuff, tap your way to Psalm 91. Or turn your way in your paper Bibles to Psalm 91, where we will look at a few of those verses as a way to remind us in this season that we feel like sometimes there may be some that have walked in here this morning that feel like you might be alone. You feel like you may be the only one going through whatever it is you're going through. Maybe you're watching us online and you're like, man, I feel like I'm so alone right now. And there's not a single one of us in this room or watching or listening that has went through a that has not went through a phase in their life where they were like, I think I'm the only one in the world going through this. It can feel like that, right? All right, prove me, prove me, prove me right for a moment. How many of you have ever felt like you're the only one you feel like? Now, you know you're not, but you feel like you're the only one going through it, and you're like, why? Right? You wonder to yourself, why am I going through this? And you wonder if anybody understands you. I'm here to tell you this morning, the king has your back. Say it with me. The king has your back. And I need you to understand that you are protected by the Most High God, the Most High, right? Psalm 91, beginning in verse 1, says, The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say concerning the Lord, who is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, he himself will rescue you from the bird, the bird, the bird trap, from the destructive plague. He will cover you with his feathers. He will take, uh, you will take refuge under his wings. His faithfulness will be a protective shield. That's just the first four verses. You have the entirety of Psalm 91 at your disposal. Take those, take that ammunition, put it into your weapon, and realize that you have the entire chapter at your disposal. But this morning, I want to arm you with four verses, okay? Um, this morning, I want to arm you with four verses that will help you fight this fight and realize that you are not fighting it alone, that you have a God that has your back. The question has never been, does God have your back? The question is, do you have God's? When everybody else says that God is not right, God is not true, do you tell yourself, don't listen to that? I know who God is, and you got God's back. Because there's plenty of people in this world that has an opinion, right? Opinions are a penny, a, a, a penny that you find in the street. Everybody. Everybody has one, right? So here's a thought for you this morning. 
Don't let what you are walking into distract you from the fact that God is walking with you. Don't let what you're walking into distract you from the fact that God is walking with you. Some of you feel like I'm walking into this chapter of my life. It's difficult. I'm walking into this chapter of my life. Oh, it's getting a little easier. God is showing me some things. And I don't know about you guys, but when God starts to show me some things, things start to make sense a little better. And when things start to make sense, you start going, oh, I think I've been doing that wrong for a while. How many ever discovered something in your walk? You're just kind of like walking with Jesus, like, hey, Jesus, you know? And you walk it, and you're like, man, this is hard. This is, And all of a sudden in life, something gets a little easier, and you're like, oh, that was my fault. I, I did some things I shouldn't have done, or I made some decisions I shouldn't have made, and I was putting that on myself, and I was blaming God. Okay, God, my bad. My bad. And you realize maybe that was me. But there are some times where things happen and you're like, where did that come from? Why did that happen to me? And those are going to happen from time to time. But I don't want that to distract you. And that's my thought this morning. I don't want that to distract you from the fact that God is still with you. Because at the end of that journey, that part of the chapter, he's gonna look, you're going to be able to look back and go, oh, that's what he wanted me to do. Or he's going to show you something that you never saw before. And I can't tell you how many times I went through something I didn't understand. And at the end of it, when it, when it stopped, I looked back and I said, oh, I didn't see that, right? See, this psalm is being used by many in the body of Christ during this daily struggle that we all have. You know, in verse 1, David starts off with, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty, I love that. Since I first came to the Lord, I love that verse. I've always loved that I I rest in the shadow of the... Listen, it takes a pretty big figure to rest in their shadow. Are you following what I'm saying? Because the shadow in and of itself has no touch. It has no point of contact. Are you with me? It has no place of comfort except the knowledge that whatever is creating the shadow is near you. It's not so much about the shadow as it is about the king who's making the shadow. But there is something to say about shadows. We look even in the New Testament that the shadow of one of the apostles healed somebody. Anybody? Anybody remember that? A shadow, a non, a non-touchable, non, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Tangible, thank you. A non-tangible item is actually healing people. The shadow of an apostle. Healing people. But there's something about the shadow of the Almighty that allows us to know that the shadow of the Almighty reminds us that the Almighty is close. Some of you are more concerned about the shadow of death, the shadow of doubt, 
What shadow are you hiding in? Because there's a lot of shadows out there. Me, I'm a big guy. I create big shadows everywhere I go. Big shadows. I did not expect that kind of laughter, but we'll move on. The shadow of the Almighty is a reminder that the Almighty is close by. And when I rest in that shadow, I'm resting in the knowledge that my king is near. My king has my back. Is there somebody that gets what I'm saying today? Right off the bat, David declares a significant promise for every believer for us today. If we make him our dwelling place, he will be that source and we will have rest in the midst of the restlessness that is currently happening in our world. When you're in the shadow, you get rest. The world gets restless. Why? Because they rest less. They're not in the shadow. They don't know that the king is near. If you're dealing with restlessness today, can I ask you something? Whose shadow are you resting in? Because the shadow of the Most High will give you rest. The shadow of the, of the darkness and the, the, the shadow of death keeps you restless. Because it keeps reminding you of who is near. And if the, sh the shadow is being created by death, fear, and anxiety, that's what you're going to feel every time you let your guard down. You with me? When you're in the shadow of death, You feel anxiety. You feel pressures. Now listen, that doesn't mean that you're possessed. Don't, don't go that route, please. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying to you that you, you can feel overwhelmed or you can feel overjoyed. And I'd rather feel overjoyed that my king has gotten my back. So the shadow of the Almighty is an important thing. And in Psalm 91, the question is, how do we dwell? How do we stay put? How do we remain in him in the midst of all that we're doing and seeing in this world? How many seen a lot of things in your life? Come on, seasoned saints, how many seen some things? There's a reason why season starts with C. You've seen a lot of things. You with me? You seasoned a lot of things too. That may be a food reference. I don't know. Because I'm a Latino. I put, I put, I put adobo on anything. Hello, cereal, fruity pebbles. I'm kidding. That was weird. Don't do that. I didn't, I didn't open a cookbook anytime recently, just so you know. Somebody's like, Pastor Tony, keep preaching, but don't write a cookbook. Because Fruity Pebbles doesn't need your adobo. But what I'm saying is you've seen some things in your life. You've gone through some things in your life. And so when you have been in the Lord long enough, here's the problem. You start to rely on what you've seen instead of what you're in. I'm going to go deeper, so grab your notepads. Here are four ways I want to share with you here today 
Actually, I'm just going to share three this morning. Three ways to walk with God. In the midst of what you see, don't lose what you say. In the midst of what you see, don't lose what you say. So here's what I'm talking about. David continues. Look at verse 2 for a moment. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. There's a lot of times when we go through things in our life that we start to change what we say because of our season. We lose our say. And I'm telling you today, don't lose what you say because of what you see. Stay firm. Stay on, stay on, the, uh, on the rock of the Almighty. Stand firm. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. I will say of the Lord. Now listen, if you notice the way that he's talking the psalmist is saying this, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. Is he talking to God? No. He's talking to who? Someone else. You know who he's talking to? Somebody else that may need to hear that. Somebody else that doesn't believe that. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. In other words, if I'm struggling or, or I'm not believing and I, and, I sat and I start talking with Steve for a few moments and me and Steve are talking and he goes, you know, I just, I'm struggling with this. And then I, you know what? Let me tell you, Steve, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Now, all of a sudden, I'm saying something regardless of what I see right now, regardless of what you see, Steve, we can say together, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. Why? We're declaring something that may not look like it looks right now, but we, must, we see it through the eyes of faith and trust that not only will that, that chapter change, how many know that you don't stay in the same chapter your whole life? Chapters change. Take out, right? How many are grateful that there's another chapter? Some of you are like, I need to go to sleep and start a new chapter tomorrow. I told you guys one time, I went to a Dollar General, and I, went, I did something, and I dropped something, and I was like, oh, it's been that kind of morning. And I'm saying to myself, like, I'm trying to encourage myself, and I, and I dropped it. I said, I'm so sorry. I dropped it. It just hit something exactly where it shouldn't have hit, and it's spilling. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. The lady came. I said, it's fine. I'll pick it up. And I'm like, ah. It's been that kind of morning, and I had that kind of morning. The guy, go, the guy behind me on the register, he, he goes to me, he goes, hey, you know how you fix that? You go home and start over. <laughs> I was like, dude just gave me the day off. Maybe I should take him up on that. <laughs> but you, you can feel like that, right? You can feel like, you know what, I just, let me just go back to bed and start this whole thing all over again. But guess what? That's the easy way out. Sometimes you got to just tell yourself, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God and whom I trust. I didn't start off well, but it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Hello? I'm just writing off the fact that the rest of the day is going to be horrible. How about we just stop and say, nah, I'm going to choose for it to be a good day. And how I perceive it is, is up to me. What happens to me is not always up to me. I get that. But how I see it is absolutely up to me. And you can sit around and 
woe is me, oh man, instead of amen. Some of you wake up and you go, oh man. <laughs> Here we go. Or you could wake up and go, hey, man, I got another day to, to let God use me to speak to somebody's life, to be blessed and be a blessing. Come on. You were blessed to be a blessing to somebody else. Hello? Come on, somebody with me. God called you to walk with him, not stalk with him. Some of you walk with Jesus. Other of you stalk Jesus. You're like at a distance like, hmm. I don't like to walk with Jesus, but I'll stalk with Jesus. That's a believer over there. Let's see what happens to them. And then maybe I'll choose Jesus. Come on, Don. You know what I'm talking about. Some people just kind of hanging on the, in the corner like, like spiritual snipers. Like waiting for something to go wrong. Aha! Sniping people with your finger. See, God isn't real. We don't need that. We don't need people to stalk with God. We need people to walk with God, to stand with him. Come on, somebody. That, that spoke to somebody today. Did that speak to somebody? Some of you that are stalking with God are like, that's not funny, Pastor Tony. I did that last week. What are you talking about? We got to combat desperation with declaration. Hello? We got to combat desperation that's happening all around us with declaration about who God is. I'm tired of tiptoeing around everybody's feelings about God. I'm going to declare God, and whether you like it or not, you don't have to buy it. You don't have to believe it, but I'm going to declare it. And if you're desperate and your, your ideas don't work, come to me. Let's talk. We can sit down and have a nice donut and we can, over some coffee and we can talk about it. But don't, don't cast down everything about Jesus just because something went wrong. Stop, stop looking at what you see and forget what you say. I will say of the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress. And one way we keep our confidence is through confession. Lord, I confess I have some things in my life that I need out of me. Help me, God. Declare that. Realize that. Understand it. Embrace it. God did. He didn't condemn you yet. He knows everything you've ever done wrong and he still loves you. What's your reason for not coming to God already? What's your excuse? Really, what's your excuse? He knows everything you've done wrong and he still loves you with an everlasting love. What's your excuse? It's your own reason. It's your own rejection. You'll stand before God for that. But I'd rather stand before God and say, Lord, I, I had my times. I could have I, I I not believed, but I chose to believe. I will say it and I will declare it. Why? Because I'm choosing for it to be a season of declaration, not of spiritual unrest or desperation. Yeah. Oh, man, I thought I'd get more amens, but I'm going to keep preaching. See, in your quiet times, 
Some of you need to start declaring the character of God before you ask him for anything. It'll make the whole prayer better. You want to pray better? Start your prayers by declaring who he is first. Start your prayers by who God is. Before you say anything to God about, Lord, let my finances, let my family, let my foes stub their toe on a Lego. Before... That's an evil prayer, by the way, because that hurts. You ever stepped on a Lego? It'll test your faith. It'll test your faith. When you start declaring who God is, your prayers shape differently. Your prayers shape differently because you identify who you're praying to. When you're praying to a God in the, in the picture or a God that you just read about, it's a different approach than a God you intimately know. A God that you spend time with. A God that you spend time in the presence. Uh, Dan came to me earlier today, said, share something special I wanted to share with you. And I asked Dan if I could share it. He was talking about how Samuel, he slept near the Ark of the Covenant. And he slept near the presence of God. And David spent time near the Ark of the Covenant, near the presence of God. They went to sleep in the presence of God. They woke up in the presence of God. You want to know why people like David and Samuel and others, and Joshua and all Moses and all these other individuals, you want to know why those individuals are in the Bible? Not because they're perfect, not because they figured it all out, because we're very clear. Are we very clear that there are imperfect people in the Bible? Okay, let's be very clear with that. There are imperfect people in the Bible. But they're in the Bible because they, there's something about what they did and that had to do with who they were around. In the presence of the holy God. So don't ever discredit who you are around. And, the, and what, you, what, what is around you on a constant daily basis. Because it will shape how you talk, how you feel, how you think, how you act, how you react. That's what affects it. What are you around? See, when troubling times come, the first thing we need to do is remember who God is. So we, we take that character of God and we open up our prayers before we say anything. We say, God, I realize that you are the author and finisher of my faith. God, I realize you're the first and the last creator of all things. And you don't even have to listen to me. But you have given me the opportunity to not only know you, but to love you and proclaim your name. And because of that, you are a good, good father. You are almighty and all powerful. And I am not. I am neither of those things. But today I come to you with a series of needs because you're a good, good God. How many know it's easier to pray at that point moving forward? Isn't that right? It's easier to pray at that point because now you've established who you're praying to, and you've established a mode of conduct that allows you to then humble yourself and pray what's really in your heart. I'm only talking to people that want to pray, though. Everybody else, you can continue to pray out, out of a book, read a prayer, that's fine. But man, when it comes from your heart and tears stream down your face, you ever, you ever cried so hard that you ran out of tears? 
You ever cried so hard that you don't even know what to say anymore? You've said everything. You know what you do? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Just start blessing him. See, one way we can keep our mind on the right place is declaring who God is out of our mouth. Number two, in the midst of what you see, don't lose your surely. Don't move. Don't lose your surely. David goes on in verse three. Look what he says. He says right in the beginning, surely he will save you from the foulest snare and from the deadly pestilence. Surely. It takes a lot of faith to say surely, right? I am 100% sure. You can't say I am 50% sure. I'm 50% sure. That's not sure. That's just 50% of your beliefs. 50, but then you look at it, 50% of you don't. Or doesn't. That's not sure. Don't lose your surely in the midst of all that you see. Surely he will save you from the foulest stand, from the deadly pestilence. Get your surely on. Come on, somebody. Decide every single day when you wake up, I'm going to get my surely on. Surely he will be with me today. Surely he will love uh, He will love us through our trial. Surely I will say of the Lord. Surely he will make a way. Surely. No matter what you see, my friends, you want to walk with God? Don't lose your surely. Because the world wants to make you unsure. The world wants to tell you, stop, man, just... Do what you got to do to survive. That's why people are raiding stores. That's how come the world is in a mess. Because they just want to do what they want to do. Yes, and part of that is no, there's no consequence. Hello? But I'm not going to live that way because surely God is good. Based on the character of God, surely he will be with me always, even to the end of the age. Surely he is the light of the world. Surely he is the salt of the earth. Surely he is the bread of life. Surely he's the Alpha and Omega. Every day of your life. You see, beyond the shadow of a doubt, God will be faithful to his character, not necessarily everything you think he is. Let me say that a different way. God is faithful to his character more than he's faithful to what you think he is. Right? Because we have this idea of what God should do, and when he doesn't do it, we're like, God, are you even there? And he's like, I never promised you that. But he, what has he promised you? Because the Bible is full of promises. My brother John just said it earlier. Didn't you remember what he just said? The Bible is full of hundreds of promises that God has given you. Hundreds of promises. And those promises are all surely. They're sure fire promises. See, David's expression of surely was essentially the statement of confidence. How much confidence do you have in God? Can you say surely? You're in the shadow. Can you say surely? All depends on the shadow that you're in. Are you in the shadow of death where you fear no, you know, hello? Psalm 23, right? Though I walk through the valley in the shadow of death. Here we are in Psalm 91 where it talks the shadow of the almighty. What shadow are you in? 
Because that will depend on where your surely is. Your shadows will tell you where your surely lies. Write that. That's good. Write that down. Write it down for me and, and text me later. That was good. Your shadow will determine your surely. And whatever you're sure about is how you walk and how you make your decisions. So how are you making your decisions? Is it based on what shadow? Because there are very much dark shadows out there. I love Hebrews 10. Hebrews is one, just, man, there's so many books. I hate, I hate saying there's a book of the Bible that's my favorite because there's so many that are, like, really good. But Hebrews 10 is a really good one. And I love Hebrews in general, but Hebrews 10, there's two verses. The first one is verse 35, and I'm reading on the Christian Standard Bible. It says this, so don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. See, your boldness, God rewards boldness and confidence in him. So it has a reward. When you have confidence in God, there's a reward that comes with it, right? But then he goes on to say in verse 39, but we are not those who draw back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. That's that drivenness that brings us surely to a place of faith. See, when we, are, when we are people who are drawn back, our surely is in question now. But right here in Hebrews 10.39, but we are not those who draw back and are destroyed, but rather we are those who have faith and are, what? Saved. Why? Because we hung in there. Because we fought when everybody else ran away. They saw something and they lost their surely. They lost their say. And they lost their surely. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. Surely he will be with me. Surely he will deliver me from the snare, the foulest snare and the pestilence. See, in the day and time in which we're in, we need the believers, that's us, believers, and the church to not throw away our sureties. Volumes could be written on the subject of the confidence, but the way that we cultivate confidence in our lives is through remembering where he brought us from. Some of you, your story is amazing where he brought you from. Amen. You with me? Some of you have a testimony God has brought you from. Some of you are like, my testimony is boring. I just grew up in church my whole life. Can I tell you something? The staying power of God is nothing to shake a stick at. The fact that you have been in church your whole life and you stayed in the faith, friend, that's a reward that is an amazing one. And don't you ever discredit that reward. Amen? Come on, somebody. Because some of y'all hear a testimony. Wow. They got delivered from 14 types of drugs. They stole six cars. They were in and out of prison four times. They killed 37 people, but now they're saved. Like, wait, do you hear yourself? But now they're saved? Yeah, that's great. What about everything, the trail that they left behind? Like, stop glorifying that too. Listen, I'm not saying that those that are saved is not a, a miracle. And I'm not saying that's a blessing, that that's not a blessing, rather. That's great. 
But stop glorifying that as opposed to like somehow because you grew up in the faith or you just don't have a quote real powerful testimony. You were in faith your whole life. That's a powerful testimony. Okay, okay. Some of y'all getting it. Case in point, my wife and I, two very different lives. My wife, knew, I'm, I'm convinced that my wife was saved in, her, in the fetus. I'm not even kidding. Like, she heard the gospel one day. And she was like, John the Baptist, like, get me out of here. I need to go. She's in the womb like, come on, give me a microphone. And God was like, wait, that's going to be very painful. Just wait till you get out. I'll teach you some stuff. Just me, very different story. It was more like, don't let him out. And the woman was like, you don't want to do this. Two different stories, but her testimony, not any less powerful than mine. My testimony, not any more powerful than hers. God saved me. I had to go through some things. And trust me, there's plenty of things to go through in the Bronx. Hello? There's sides of me I hope you never, ever, 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 ever see. But that doesn't mean that my testimony is any more powerful than hers. She was saved, like, right around when, you know, she came out, like, oop, saved, just like. <laughs> that was weird. I don't know where that, I'm not even going to comment on how she was born. Like, that was weird. Um, let's go to scripture. Quickly. Isaiah chapter 30. Is it okay to laugh? Is it all right? Y'all laughing. I like that. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 19. I like what it says here. Because we have to realize that remembering God fuels our confidence to live day by day, right? When you remember what God has done, it helps us to fuel. God hasn't failed you yet. And he never, never will. But I love how Psalm 30 verse 19 says, For the people... Excuse me. For people will live on Zion and Jerusalem. You, you will never weep again. He will show favor to you at the sound of your outcry. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Can I tell you something? As soon as you cry out to God, he will answer you. Don't lose it, surely. That is a reminder that he is surely there. Number three, in the midst of what you see, don't lose sight of the supernatural. David says in verse 11 and 12, back to the Psalm 91 for a moment. David says this, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift up, they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Now, most of this, most of what I've been bringing up until this point is the first four verses. But this one, I cheated a little bit. I went down into Psalm 91 towards the end. And David outright says that there is a supernatural help for you 
And how we live our lives doesn't matter because God wants us to walk in supernatural. Some of you are like, can I just walk in the faith? Do I have to? Because supernatural gets spooky and weird. No, it's only spooky and weird if you make it spooky and weird. Supernatural is not spooky and weird. It is natural for those who are, are in the super one of Israel. Hello? I don't know if that makes sense to some of you, but it made sense to me. Jesus Christ wants us to walk in supernatural. When we pray for each other, you know what you're doing? You're walking in the supernatural. When you read the Bible and you pray, you know what you're doing? You're walking and deciding to bring the supernatural into your life. And so what we have to realize is that in the midst of what you see, don't lose sight of the super and this natural. Remember, throughout all of Scripture, God proves himself to be a supernatural God. Today is no different, my friends. Today is no different. There's a group of people out there called the cessationists. And what they believe is that all the gifts ended when the Bible was finished and it was written. Cessationists. They believe that there's no uh, supernatural here and now. Meaning, we can't pray for each other and bring healing. We can't prophesy over each other. We can't move in the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm going, how does that tie into Joel where he says, in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh and my sons and daughters will prophesy. That's a gift. The gifts ended. Perhaps they didn't. Perhaps somebody lied so that you could feel comfortable to not walk in the supernatural. Follow me, camera guy. Listen to me. Listen to me closely. There is a, a, reg, a remnant of people that want you to believe that gifts ended so that you could be comfortable in your flesh. And not believe for healing or forgiveness or the touch of God. And what does that make you? Ordinary. It doesn't make you supernatural. If you don't operate in the supernatural, you're just going to a place, a building, just like you would go to the YMCA or Ollie's or any sort of bargain outlet store where you people gather for whatever reason. Hello? If there's no supernatural, what are we doing here? God wants us to walk in supernatural. That doesn't mean be weird. That doesn't mean be spooky. That doesn't mean it has to be awkward. It, it, it's only awkward if you don't understand it and you run away. But when God edifies the body, and we walk away and we go, wow, I sense that. God is leading us into supernatural things. Don't run away from that. If you don't understand it, ask questions. But don't run from it. I've had people where a tongue broke out in the service and somebody praying in tongues. They're like, all right, get your stuff, kids. Great, get your stuff. Get your stuff. And then they start bowing their heads and they leave. They're like, 
They don't understand. They didn't read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, or 14. They didn't realize that God has given gifts to the body. That there's a tongue, there's an interpretation, and it's done in order. It's done in order. That doesn't mean just because it gets quiet, up, oh, there's got to be a tongue. Up, oh, up, oh, it's quiet, there's got to be an edification. No. It's God. God is the director of that, not us. And you better be right. You better hear from God. Because God is the one that directs all that. You with me? So those who willy-nilly start throwing up words. Hello? We got to be in step with the Spirit of God. So here's what I'm saying. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. If you agree with me, say yeah. Okay, so he set the captives free. Yes? Okay. He decided to provide healing for the sick. God moves in supernatural ways when he was walking the earth. He healed people of diseases. Greater things will you do. Greater things. How can you do greater things if there's no supernatural? How can you do greater things if there's no, no spirit of God? How can you do greater things if the spirit of God is not moving with his gifts? How? How? You can't. Listen, don't lose sight of the supernatural. I feel like I'm supposed to pray for someone. Stop what you're doing and pray for them. Worst thing that can happen is they got a prayer. Best thing that can happen is they all of a sudden are healed in their body and they never are the same again. And now they become a testimony for the glory of God. And so you got something to share. They got something to share. And y'all just start doing a Holy Ghost dance. That was weird. Don't do that again. But it's something like that. I don't know what that was, but it was a, it was a Holy Spirit. It was a dance of the Holy. That was weird. Let's move back to scripture again. Hebrews 11 verse 3. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what, we, what is seen was made from the things that are not visible. Can I tell you something? The word of God created the world. God spoke and it happened. And he framed the world so that everything we see and touch was purpose for you to step into. It was for all intents and purposes fashioned by God. The world was fashioned by his word. And before it took place, it was there because God spoke it there. Everything we walk in, God spoke it there. And that's what we walk in. Everything that God spoke, I walk into. Everything he says, I walk into. Everything he wants me to do, I walk into. Why? Because God did not call you to walk on your own. He called you to walk in his purpose and his word. And when he speaks, the word makes things happen. Watch this. What happens is we get too involved in what we think God uh, wants us to do. And we start micromanaging. And you know what happens? When you decide to take steps without God's direction, you don't micromanage. You micro damage. Every single time you decide to take steps in God without God's direction, you're not micromanaging, you're micro-damaging because you're creating steps that shouldn't have been created. 
And God is calling us to his will and purpose. Can somebody say amen for a moment? You believe that? So what do we do about it? Let me, let me just close this out for a moment. What do we do? Well, how do we step into that? Because the reality is when, when we decide to trust God, we then walk in the fullness of the Godhead. And God has created an opportunity for us to walk in him, right? Well, how do we make that come out of our fleshly lives? Number one, we memorize. Start memorizing a scripture a week. If you, have, if you battle with depression, if you battle with uh, addiction, if you battle with whatever it is you're struggling with faith, you're battling with the will of God in your life, find some scriptures. And you could Google this. Even, even Google can't get this wrong sometimes. Um, because we think that everything on Google is right. But this one, you can type in Bible verses for anxiety, Bible verses for this. And you'll find some great things out there, people that have put together some wonderful resources. And with that, find the verse that speaks to you. Write it on an, look at me, write it on an index card. Write it. Remember pens? Remember pens? Remember that? Write it on an index card. And put it on your mirror, your refrigerator, right by your toothbrush, where you're going to see it, hopefully, every day. Right? And every single day. Stop laughing, because I'm going to laugh too. When you see that verse every single day, read it out loud. Memorize scripture. Memorize. I can't do it in a week. Why is it that you can remember a song in seven minutes, but you can't get a verse in. Hello? Don't tell me you can't memorize it. You can't. Memorize and two, meditate. Memorize and meditate. Not Eastern meditation. Meditate, by that I mean take a verse and read it piece by piece and let God show you what that means. Say, Holy Spirit, show me what this verse means. Or maybe it's a, a series of verses. Your Bible is really good at breaking up series of thoughts. Okay? Because you know when they when they when Paul wrote letters, he didn't he didn't break them up the way we see them. They were letters. You know that, right? Many and much of the New Testament and things were letters that Paul wrote or another author wrote. They were letters, like you would write any letter. But the amazing people that, that have studied the Bible broke them up in thoughts. And they break them up in certain thoughts. Take a few thoughts. Write them down. Meditate on them. Think about them. Shut off the TV or put on some music that sounds like this. There's like 10 hours of them on YouTube. Some of you are like, that's about how long it'll take for me to memorize a whole paragraph. Well, fine, whatever. But what I'm saying is find a way to memorize and meditate on God's word. And those things, you will find yourself realizing, man, God has got my back. The king has my back. He is standing with me. The king has your back. So sometimes this week, can I encourage you to do something with me? 
can I encourage you to remind yourself and remind somebody else the king has your back. Amen? Come on, all over this place, bow your heads with me for a moment. Father, I spoke what you asked me to speak. I declared it. I discerned it. I realized, Lord God, that you are so far beyond more you want to tell us than what I even shared today. I pray today that people would realize at the sound of my voice that you, you will defend them. You will protect them from the fowler snare. You will protect them from the things that are unseen, that are happening behind the scenes, that they don't even know that's coming. You're a good God. Lord, I pray today, would you just allow them to see that goodness flow from the throne room of God. May they walk in the shadow of the Almighty. May they say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Thank you that we can put our trust in you and those who put their trust in the Lord will never be put to shame. Today, allow us to declare that you always have our back as long as we walk in the promise and the goodness of God. For all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Lord, we love you today. Call us according to your purpose, we pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. Give the Lord one more praise, would you? Just one more time. <laughs>